Good morning. I'm not speaking today, so just up here. Figured somebody needed to come up here, right? Anyway, <laughs> uh, Tom is on a well-deserved vacation, um, and Karen, I think they're in the Alaskan bush somewhere, so uh, hopefully they'll come back in a couple weeks. Uh, but I'm here to introduce our speaker today, Mark Pierce. Uh, Mark has been a hospice chaplain for the last 12 years. He also has pastored two churches over a 15-year period. He also currently preaches at a small church in Reynoldsburg on a regular basis. And interestingly, he lives across the street. So did you walk here today, Mark? He drove. All right, so he drove today. Um, And he's also known Tom and does attend here on a pretty regular basis for the last 11 years. So uh, let's welcome Mark today. Thanks, Paul. How y'all doing? Did you notice that southern coming out, y'all? <laughs> Even though I moved to Ohio when I was 16, I still call Virginia. We say it with an F. Virginia is still our home. I still call that home. We're going to look at Psalm 46. And before uh, we do that, I'm going to offer a word of prayer. And... Um, We're going to read Psalm 46 together. I've put the words, uh, and they'll be up on the screen. And um, just read it together as the body of Christ. Well, let's pray. Gracious God, I give you thanks for a chance to come and just worship you. That's why we're here, Lord. We come to worship. God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and our souls and our spirits. You've been moving already. Move in us still. Speak to the needs that we have, the things we've been thinking about, the things we've been worrying about, the things we've been anxious about, the things we're desirous of. Speak a word that we need. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 46. Let's let's read it together. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, And the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear and burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I hear some amens to that. Wow, um, this passage has been part of kind of my heart and soul for a long, long time. I think the first time I discovered it was sometime way back in the, around 1981. It's just been in a, just kind of my heartbeat and, and part of my soul beat, if that's really a word, forever and ever. The thing that I notice about it when I first began reading it, and as I've, we read it just a moment ago, is how busy the first nine verses are. Did you notice that when we were reading it? Yeah. There's um, things like earthquakes, mountains shaking. There's um, waters roaring and foaming. There's um, fire. It says he burns the shields with fire. Another way to translate that verse is he burns the chariots with fire. I think that's where they came up with the name for the movie, Chariots of Fire. It's busy. A lot going on. A lot of kind of cataclysmic events, some earthquakes and floods and tornadoes and fires. Um, reminds me a little bit of 1 Kings chapter 19. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the prophet Elijah has been busy about God's work. There's been a fantastic revival in the land of Israel, and the people are praising God, and they're ready to worship, and they want to serve God, and they want to charge off and do whatever it is God wants them to do. And everything would have been really good except the queen of the land. Her name was Jezebel. I heard some of you say, ooh. She was mean. And as soon as she saw this revival taking place in Israel, she put out wanted posters for Elijah and said, wanted dead or alive, Elijah, the Tishbite. And so Elijah went and hid in the cave. Ran a long way away from home and went into the back of a dark old cave. And God said to him, Elijah, come out in front of the cave. I want to talk to you. So he was obedient. He went out in front of the cave, out to the mouth of the cave. And guess what? God passes by Elijah in a fire, in a wind, and in an earthquake. And each time we read in 1 Kings chapter 19, the writer says, but God was not in the fire. God was not in the wind. God was not in the earthquake. And so then God speaks to Elijah in some versions say a gentle whisper. I believe NIV says gentle, gentle whisper. I think King James said in a still small voice and Elijah covered his face. God spoke to him. In a very quiet but powerful way. And the word was, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
when I read Psalm 46, we've got the earth, the wind, and the fire, and all that cataclysmic stuff, and the tumults, and wars, and all of that. And we've got that right now, right? Yep. We got a fire out in California. We had a fire on the west side of Columbus. We got floods going on down in Louisiana. We got wars going on all around the world, and nations are in turmoil, and kingdoms are in uproar. It's all there. Some have suggested that the Psalms were actually Israel's worship book, that they they sang the Psalms. If you read some of the Hebrew, if you could do that, and I can't very well, but as as it goes along, it's kind of melodious, and it's almost like a song, and in some cases, they believe that Israel might have sung the Psalms. And so all this kind of noise is going on in terms of all this upheaval and so forth. And it's like God busts into the worship service with a sermon or a message of his own and says, be still. Be still. When I start to see all the news, and all you have to do is turn the television on. We were down in Chillicothe last night. We were going to see Tecumseh, which got canceled. We ate at this restaurant and had big screen TVs. And one story after another was something going wrong. And I don't know about you, but I know when I, I don't even watch the news anymore. I hear it on WTVN when I'm driving to and from work. But it seems like there's something going wrong all the time and it starts to stir the anxiety. What are we going to do about all this? And then when you shrink it down into a kind of a more personal level, I'm the kind of guy that if I start to think about something, I, I tend to think about it a little more, and a little more, and a little more, and a little more. And my wife, who's sitting back there, my beautiful wife back there, my beautiful bride back there, she'll tell you I can be obsessive. And it reminds me, do you see a hamster wheel behind me? It reminds me of that. I get in my hamster wheel, and I'm kind of running, using a lot of energy, but I'm going nowhere. I'm running for all I'm worth inside. The, the, the heart's racing, the, the brain's going, and it's in overdrive, and it's hard to sleep, and you get all that stuff going, and it's kind of like having that problem, whatever it is, staring me right there in the face. And if I turn this way, it's still there. If I turn over here, it's still there. That's all I can see when I get into one of those kind of moods. And what all of that does is begin to block the relationship I've got going on with God. Get focusing on the stuff instead of focusing on the Lord. And so when I watch the news and see all that stuff going on, when I start to think about the things going on in my heart and my spirit and get focused there, I sort of get distracted. You know, just a second. Hold on a second. Uh Uh-huh. Biggest distraction I know. It's in my pocket. I work hard. As a chaplain, I'm all over the place. Um... I drive a little Saturn. It's out in the parking lot. Um, it's got over 500,000 miles on it. 
in my hospice work, I can be up in Licking County and get called to Hocking County and have to go. And so in the midst of the busyness, I'll say, Lord, I'll get back to you, but I got to go. My phone just rang. I got to go. God, I'll get back to you this afternoon. I promise. But then I come home and I'm a little bit tired. And so I, um, I punch the button. You know, I could, I could take a couple minutes and play some word bubbles. Joni's, Joni's really beating me bad in trivia crack. I probably could spend a couple minutes doing that. And before you know it, it's 9 o'clock, and i got to start thinking about going to bed. And then this little thing will buzz me or ding me, and i got to text, so I just have to read that. And suddenly, God's forgotten about. In all of the stuff that's been going on, all the, the trivia that has been going on, all the busyness. Do you ever feel busy? Yeah. A guy by the name of Viktor Frankl wrote a book way back in the 40s, and then he wrote a supplement back in the 60s. And what he said was that he envisioned a time when automation would be taking over so much that we would have all this free time on our hands. And he envisioned that we would become bored. In the midst of that boredom, sometimes we start to look for other stuff. And we get really churned up and busy. And God comes in and says, be still. If you look at Mark chapter 4, it's, uh, the text I've got is verse 39, but it's actually part of a bigger story. The disciples decided it would be a good idea to sail across the Sea of Galilee at night. No lights on their boats. And a horrific storm whips up. Sea of Galilee, I'm told, can get really nasty really fast can get windy, can get stormy, can get choppy. I've never been out to the Sea of Galilee. I don't know if I'll ever be there, but I have been on Lake Erie. Lake Erie can whip up a storm in a hurry. And so the only comparison I have between the Sea of Galilee and my life is maybe Lake Erie. So they're out there rowing for all they're worth. The wind's starting to pick up. They're getting a little bit nervous about that wind. They're beginning to talk to each other about the wind. And they're beginning to get a little anxious now that the water's kind of beginning to soup up. And and it's beginning to get just kind of stormy out there. But we can handle this. And now the wind's blowing a little harder. The waves are a little higher. And they're starting to come over the front of the boat. And they're getting worked up. Oh. We got Jesus with us. Where is he? Well, Peter, he's asleep in the back of the boat. Jesus, wake up. Don't you care? We're going to drown. And Mark doesn't say this part, but I like to use my imagination. I can see him kind of standing up and just shaking his head and going, And he speaks to the wind, 
And he speaks to the waves and says, be still. And immediately the water calms and it gets, the water becomes flat. And, it, and he saved the day. I cannot help but believe that when he was speaking to the wind and the waves, that he was also kind of vicariously speaking to the wind and the waves that were going on inside the disciples' spirits. Peace. Be, be still. So um, here's the Hebrew word. I'll tell you in a moment how to look these up. You do not have to know Hebrew to look these up. You really don't. I looked, uh, I looked up the word for be still. It's the word harpu. It means to sink down, to relax, to withdraw, be idle, to leave, let alone, let go, go down. Be slack, stay, be still, be slothful, be weak or weakened. The reason I even bring this up is because my eighth grade Spanish teacher, that's one thing I remember about eighth grade Spanish, she told me, the rest of our class, that no word translates exactly with all of its meaning into from one language to another. So as a, for instance, the Spanish jokes that we used to read in the little Spanish newspaper that we got, they never made any sense to us because we didn't get it. Here's a for instance. If I said to you today, you know, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. We translated that into Spanish for somebody who did not speak a lick of English. They'd look at that and they'd go, Mark is that hungry that he would eat a horse? Why would he eat a horse? I mean, you and I know that that was just kind of a, an exaggeration for, I'm just hungry. But to somebody else, they'd have to know some of the background. So I, I give you the words so you can get a little bit of a sense of its meaning. Yeah, I know what it means to be still, but there's some other flavors. To sink down and to relax, to withdraw. My translation is chill out. Chill out. So God kind of jumps into this worship service and says, Whoa, slow down. Be still. I'll tell you one more Bible story and then... You're going, to see, you're going to hear a song and see the words. The Bible story is this. You remember that Jesus sent the disciples out two by two? Gave them power to, and authority to heal sicknesses, to cast out the demons. Just amazing things to do. And, and they did it. And they came back and they were excited. It was like they just won the Super Bowl. Jesus, you wouldn't believe what we did. It was fantastic. You should have been there. It was awesome. Jesus, it was amazing. We spoke to the demons and they left. We healed people's sicknesses. It was awesome. It was amazing. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 guys, slow down. Hold on. Let's, let's go apart. And let's rest a while. 
Jesus was always retreating into the mountains, as you read the Gospels, to pray. The song I've been just really, really falling in love with this summer is the song Breathe. I see some of you like it too. It's written by Johnny Diaz. I'm going to ask the folks to, to play it. And, and as I said to the folks in the first service, I, I, um, I had the, DVD, the CD made up at Lifeway. They can, they can do that, and they've got copyright stuff, so they can do that. Um, I was praying that it worked this morning because on one CD player at home it didn't. The other one it did. And I told the first service, you know, you've got to pray that the, the, AV, the audiovisual equipment works because you'll have to hear me sing it solo, and you don't want, it, you know, you don't want that. So we're going to play it, and it, it really, to me, sums it up of what being still means. And the words, we're going to put the words up there so you can, can read them and, and as you hear the, the song being played.
just breathe. That sums it up for me. All that chaos keeps calling to us. Hey, pay attention to me. Sit at the master's feet. And here's the reason. It's the next part of verse 10. Know that I'm God. Again, there's a couple ways you can go with this. One is, no, I'm still in charge. I haven't left. I'm not AWOL. I'm still here. I'm still in charge. So you can be still. Another way to look at it is be still and know me. Here's the word for know and know. Uda-u. Say that one three times fast. To know, to acknowledge, be acquainted, to comprehend, to concern, to clearly understand, to discern, to discover, to experience. And this is the word that catches my eye. Intimacy. Investigate. Know for certain. Know with certainty. Know assuredly. Know well. I've got a lot of acquaintances in my life. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. I can't get to know somebody without spending time with them. It's hard for me to get to know somebody if I just stop it. Hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. I've been getting to know my bride back there for 33 years. I'm learning something new about her almost every day. A couple of years ago, we were on a trip, and um, so we're driving along, just the two of us. And she revealed to me that when she started off for college, she did not go with the intention of being trained being educated to be a teacher. As long as I'd ever known her, she'd been a teacher. What were you going to train for? She said, I was going to train to be a social worker. Now, if you know my wife, she's really a little bit of both. She's a little bit of both. I find that in my own life, with all the struggles of time and constraints and distractions, that my relationship with God suffers when I don't create that space to be still. That little car that I drove today, it's sitting out in the parking lot, and 
And I told you it had all those miles on it. That's not why I keep the car. I, I keep the car because it was a place where God and I had it out big time in 2001. Sometime around 2 a.m. in November of 2001, I went outside and sat in that car. And for two hours, I railed against God. I called God every name you could possibly think of, and then some. I told God how absent God was and how he wasn't paying attention to my problems. And, and uh, I asked God, you know, I'm really getting tired of you not talking to me. You never talk to me. I went so far as to say, God, how can I trust you to take care of my life in eternity if you can't take care of it now? And see, we had to come to Jesus meeting quite literally. It was so bad. The time in my life was so bad. I, I, in fact, in that night, I, I, the, one of the things that I said to God was, God, just, just, just take my life right now. Let's, let's be done with this. Still here. And um, the, the last thing I remember saying, which for me was God speaking, but it was my voice that spoke it, but I believe it was God talking to me. I finally said before I went back into the house, God, I really don't want to die, but I do not want to keep living this way. Even as I was pushing God away, when you push, your hands ultimately have to come back, right? God was coming closer. What God was teaching me in those moments was that I was really a good pastor. I really was. I was a good pastor. My wife will tell you that. I was a good pastor. But I'm an even better chaplain. God and I got to know each other that night really well. And I can't say we've ever had a conversation like that again. But what I can tell you is that when I do create that space, God's more than happy to come into it. In the work that I do with hospice and taking care of people who are dying, when I go to see folks, and mostly I go to nursing homes and assisted livings, and when I go there without fail, the person has their television turned on. And there's one of about four or five shows that I can depend on being on TV. Bonanza, Little House, The Young and the Restless, <laughs> Dr. Phil, and it's not really a show, but a, a channel, Animal Planet. Those are the four or five major ones. I notice that when I go to, to, to sit down with somebody and to, to talk with them, if the television's on, I'm kind of caught and torn between who I'm going to pay attention to. Because on TV, there's always a problem to solve. There's always this kind of, eh, kind of moment. And, and so what I, what I do 
is I'll say to the person, you know, I have, I have some tinnitus. I have some ringing in my ears, which is true. Would it be all right with you if I turned the sound down so I could hear you better? It's kind of like being still, turning the sound down. The person ordinarily will say, you can turn it off. I didn't even, I wasn't paying attention to it. It's just noise. And because they're lonely. Scott Peck, in a book that he wrote back in the 1970s called The Road Less Traveled, said this. The greatest gift we can give to another human being is our undivided attention. The greatest gift of ourselves to the Lord is our undivided attention. It's been my experience that God chooses not to compete with all the noise. But He'll wait. I don't quite really want to interrupt you right now. He'll wait. The other interesting thing about this word to know is something Tom's been preaching about the last few Sundays. He's been preaching about John through John chapter 6. And in verse 35, where Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. The next part was, the one who comes to me will never go hungry. The word implies coming back and keep coming. You know, when you go to the dinner table, you eat the bread and, and you still got to come back, right? You got to come back later. And Jesus says, you know, come, come. In verse 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Come, keep, keep coming. Know me, come in closer. I've got space for you. Come in closer. Let's come. Spend time together. I've got so many wonderful, awesome things to show you. Know me. Be still and know that I'm God. Know me. Know me. I also know that there's something Tom likes to say more, more, more. Know me. I'll be exalted in the heavens and I'll be exalted in the earth. I'm going to tell you one little story. Then I'm going to ask you to, um, to sing a song without the band, a song you know, and then I'm going to pray. The story is this. Think back to 1988. It's the World Series. A fellow by the name of Oral Hershiser is pitching for the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's game five. The Dodgers lead the series three to one. Oral Hershiser wins the game. And a few nights later, he's on Johnny Carson's Tonight Show. There's some of you who are old enough to still remember Johnny Carson. Carson says to him in the interview, Oral, I noticed when you were out there pitching, I noticed that you were, uh, your, your lips were moving. 
what were you doing out there? Were you talking to yourself? Or what were you doing? And Oral kind of, you know, I've been caught. And he finally says in a very soft voice, I was, I was singing. Johnny Carson asked, would you, would you mind, would you mind telling us what you were singing? And um, once again, Oral Hershiser kind of slumped over and softly said, I was singing the doxology. Some of you know what the doxology is. I'm, it goes, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Johnny Carson's audience that night, you could have heard a pen drop. in the midst of the chaos of a baseball game. Oral Hershiser was taking a moment to still what was going on around him. Give God the attention and to sing praises. The song I'm going to ask you to sing is Silent Night. I sing that song almost every single day to the people I see. I sing it because it talks about heavenly peace. It's a song that inspires quietness before God. We'll sing all three verses. First verse you know really well. Second verse has to do with um, shepherds quaking at the sight. And, and um, last verse is Son of God loves pure light. So if you just sing it with me. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, holy so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace, Savior is born. 
Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. O Lord our God, We come to you in the stillness of this moment. We lay ourselves open to you. God, we want to know you. We want to be in that intimate place with you. God, I don't want to settle for an acquaintance. God, call us out from the chaos and the noise. Call us into that still place so that we can hear you. So that when you speak to us in that gentle whisper, we can hear. Help us, God, to be able to to turn off the televisions, to, to turn off the the phone, as it were, literally and metaphorically, to just shut it all out so that we can be still. Be born, be born in our hearts today. Enable us to hear you. God, help us to come. Because, God, we want more. In Jesus' name, amen. So as the band plays and um, as we sing, the floor is yours. You can just come. I've done that before, and, and when I've come forward, when I've made my way up here,
Powerful things have happened. Amazing things have happened. So it's here for you. It's uh, the times for you. Do what you want when you get here. Whatever you need to do. Just take the time. Speak to God. Tell Him what's on your heart. Tell Him what's in your soul. Lay it all out there. I promise you when you're vulnerable with God, amazing things happen. We're going to sing. Space is here. Use it as you will.